Okay, reshoots. What? Okay, I don't know if we're ever going to see this concert film. Um, but I do have a special episode for you guys. It's a two-parter. I talked to my friend Cabe, where we go into the 1986 and 87 years of Madonna. The True Blue album, Who's That Girl soundtrack, and the Who's That Girl tour. And I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Madonna Get Together podcast. I have a very special guest, a listener, Cabe. Welcome. Oh my gosh, Wayne! Thanks for having me. This is this is so exciting. Can you tell the listeners a little about yourself, like uh, you know where you're from, kind of like how you got into Madonna? Yeah, no problem. Well, the the way that you and I got together, I we were talking before we started recording. I was I was really into the Immaculate podcast and right before you and I did an episode the the Christopher Ciccone book episode yeah and literally right before we recorded that I had started listening to your podcast and so I just want to shout out Stephen and Justin because that's such a great show and now we're here and continuing so I mean I've always been a fan of Madonna since I was a little kid but you know, it's gotten deeper and deeper over the years. And I think that, <laughs> you know, just growing older and even, you know, going going to gay bars and just, I think a lot of like older fans kind of give like young people a hard time about not knowing her, which totally makes sense yeah. because you're just so passionate about the fucking queen. It makes sense, right? But, you know, I mean, it took me going to, you know, gay bars that would play like older videos of hers and stuff to really kind of take it to the next level right and so i mean really your show and that show really helped me just and and really during the the quarantine the 2020 really helped me get a lot more i had so much more time on my hands to watch (laughs) every concert going into all the deep cuts just made it so much more more personal yeah and honestly i mean i i give you credit for that because it takes a lot of it's a, it's a lot to go back on and a lot to kind of get that understanding that this is who this person is and this is how they worked up to their career that we know now. Um, and in some ways, it's it, I imagine it might be a little bit harder for you because you weren't there in the moment when these things might have been happening. And I don't, I don't even know how old you are, but... I'm 25. But so I, I, I mean, I remember a decent amount. Yeah. At least from a different era. Yeah. I mean, the first time I really remember, like, a vivid, vivid memory of her is I, you know, remember CD stores? I, I, <laughs> I just... FYE, Sam Goody. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, the first very vivid memory I have of her was, right, because my mom grew up during, during the 80s, so, like, mm-hmm. I always, like, vaguely knew of her, and I always, she has always been a legend to me, because my first memory of her was her section was well one it was like her and Cher were like the only artists with the one name but I thought Madonna was a better name and (laughs) at the time her newest CD was GHB2 and I just and I love that cover and I just remember thinking to myself wow she has one name her name on GHB2 isn't even on the CD and the cover is half her face and little me is just thinking okay this is no one no one else can do that right 
like she doesn't she doesn't even need you to see her entire face it's just like um (laughs) with the immaculate collection what we were talking about in the previous um episode with my friend dj joey is that the immaculate collection the cover doesn't even have her on it and then even the pictures that are included in there are not kind of like the known image that you see of madonna so it's kind of amazing that someone gets to that stature where it's it's like you don't even need to recognize me i'm enough yeah yeah that was a great conversation talking about like yeah i i I loved all that previous episodes and dj joey yeah he has a lot of great (laughs) insight because yeah (laughs) yeah um but i find it ironic because you're you're 25 and we decided to talk about true blue which is a big favorite of yours yeah (laughs) and it's it's not you weren't you weren't there during the time and while i was there during the time i didn't necessarily have firsthand knowledge because i didn't become a fan at that at at that point um how old were you during this era uh let's see i i don't know why i always have to do the math but i do um i would have been eight i would have been eight years old during this time um but you know like my older sister and my cousin actually was really into Madonna during this time period. My sister took a break from her. And then my cousin, who would always come and stay with us each summer, I just remember her coming and it was either 86 or 87. I think it was 87 because Who's That Girl? The movie had already come out. And she was just kind of like obsessed with this album in this time era. Mm-hmm. So um, it does bring back some memories for me. And I do have knowledge of hearing this album before I became a big fan. Um, but let's kind of get started where we got a preview of one of the songs from the album in actually 1985 when she performed at Live Aid and she performed Love Makes the World Go Round. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, I read that it was intended as the first single, but it never, it didn't end up becoming the first single. (laughs) Um, And one thing I want to point out, those who don't kind of know this, Madonna is a complete workhorse. She, if, if you look at kind of like the timeline of things that happened in this era, even things that happened before this era, she is, has nonstop worked every moment in this time period. She's either writing, uh, writing songs, recording songs in a movie, doing tours, um, promoting the tours, going on talk shows, like there is nonstop movement in her career at this point. So it was very, um, one, it was very interesting because that Live Aid performance, she looks totally different than we've seen her look before. She had kind of like dark auburn hair. Um, Her makeup wasn't as heavy. She wasn't wearing all the rubber bracelets or anything like she looked more like Sergeant Peppers. And I think Prince actually gave her that jacket that she's wearing in that performance. Really? Um, Yeah. But I know this is kind of 85 is kind of more of the Virgin era, but I thought it was cool that we got to see her perform something that was intended for the new album. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great, it's a great three song set list for sure. Yeah. Great three songs. Have you seen, the I'm sure you have the the B roll backstage. I have with Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where Bette Midler is kind of like, I need 
I need to introduce myself to this girl because I don't think they had met just yet. Yeah. And and Bet is just kind of like Madonna, Madonna, because she was introducing her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I again, this is a time period where I was alive and I may have known it was happening, but it wasn't something that they showed. It's not something that they necessarily repeated when um, during the time of MTV. It's in course we didn't have youtube at the time so i don't think i saw this performance and probably until like the late 90s Mm. when i first saw it um i they would always like pull they would always pull like um clips from it and show it during like an interview or Mm -hmm. or some kind of documentary but i never saw the full performance into the late 90s um and it was because at this point in time you had um, sellers of Madonna memorabilia, and I remember having to mail off to get a list mailed back to me of like VHS singles that people would kind of put together for me. What and that's how I originally saw that. <laughs> Hearing you talk about the the oh god, what do you call it? The hardships of living in the 80s and 90s no i I, I was gonna say that well i mean yes but the the like the conferences that you went to where they would sell all the stuff that just sounds so exciting because i just i love and i know that you do too the the physical copy of something that's just yeah i mean and and yeah is it convenient no you have to wait out line and but it all that's so much fun and waiting and anticipating getting something in the mail it's so so much fun it is but i will say that i like having things at my fingertips now it's it's a lot easier yes the excite it's there's not kind of like that drive of excitement that that um there once was Hmm. um and i think you know like when people talk about uh when you hear like the older generation say well you you don't know what it's like to have to do all do this or do that and honestly it's like well you know what these younger generation don't need to do it and you should be happy that no one has to do that anymore i mean yeah there was there was kind of like um the the movement of excitement but there's new ways to do that and there's new ways to get your excitement and sometimes it's when someone just randomly drops a new single on spotify or apple music so mm-hmm. i think there's it's just a different way to do things now and i think it's fine like i'm i'm kind of um, I teeter on the edge. It's like, yeah, I miss kind of the nostalgia of that. But at the same time, it's like, well, it could happen if people cared enough and wanted to put together a Madonna convention, it could be done. Right. And if you want to go, you'll pay the money to go there and do it. I think it would be incredible if there was either, either like whether it's a, a Madonna con or like a diva con, you know, where you just kind of, have just a room full of people that are kind of all into divas i i don't know there might be clicks and there might be the lambs might get in fights with the uh <laughs> the beehive and the oh uh, i just i i hate pop rivalry like i hate the rivalry between fan like mo- little monsters with madonna fans with swifties it's like i don't even care about this stuff i just you know, I love Madonna. I give other artists credit where it's due. Um, they deserve the success just like Madonna does. Um, 
Madonna did things a little bit different and she, you know, broke the glass ceiling so that other artists could follow behind her. But, you know, that's, that was her contribution. Mm-hmm. Some people appreciate it. Some people don't. And I'm just glad to be able to talk to people when they, when they can appreciate it. You know, you know more than me. So tell me, cause I remember me growing up watching, Oh God, like E and VH1, they would always do like the countdown of like celebrity feuds. And at that yeah. time, this was, this is pre Gaga. This was all about Madonna versus Elton John. So, and I know the last time, to my knowledge, was the the Golden Globes in 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Where, does the, where would you say the fandom is now in terms of Elton? Uh, you mean among Madonna fans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't really know too much about that um, feud. For some reason, I thought that started because of Lady Gaga. Well, I think that he accused, says she was lip syncing on reinvention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because she was. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I won't sugarcoat it. She she lip syncs or overdubs points and times in the concert. And look, I'm not complaining. That's I'm 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 not complaining either, because if she sounded. Did you did you happen to watch that? um, uh, Was it the covid relief thing that Lady Gaga put together? No, I know and they played it on a bunch of channels, and but Elton John was on there, and he was singing "I'm Still Standing." Of course, and he just sounded like it, he didn't sound horrible. He just sounded like a really old man who couldn't articulate all of his words, and so it's kind of like you know I'm kind of glad Madonna uses a backing track most of the time because I don't want to hear her sound like she doesn't know what she's doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, um, I mean, yeah, she, she did lip sync portions of reinvention or at least had a a backing track to support her live vocals. I mean, she's dancing around half the time. Exactly. Exactly. When I saw Janet Jackson on the unbreakable tour in 2015 lip sync, I love Britney Spears, all lip sync, you know, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Vogue nineteen ninety at the VMAs. Hello, and that was iconic. Exactly. Um, so let's get back to True Blue because I have a tendency to do this, which I think all Madonna <laughs> fans do. Is we get way off track, and I'm gonna pull it back um, and just talk about a couple things that were happening. Did you watch the performance? Like, what did you think about the performance of uh, Love Makes the World Go Round? That's not my favorite song, but I love that she, I th- like I said, I think that's a great holiday into the groove. Love Makes the World Go Round. I think that's a three great set, right? Two iconic, relatively new songs, and then a brand new song. That's a great, I mean, what a better stage to debut it. Well, the, and the reason I asked you about the, the B-roll of the backstage stuff is just that there's just so, I mean, especially live, there's just so much going on, and it's just so... <laughs> just so much in her head and it's just so amazing to watch that performance and love makes the world go round in that performance you can hear someone in between the sets yell slut like very very vividly i don't know if you caught it i don't know if i've caught that or maybe i've tuned it out because um i've probably seen it so many times now but i i mean i could hear it the misogyny in the 80s is the, the misogyny even now is kind of like uh, astounding to me that someone would do that 
I mean, exactly, right, and, and especially at that event, like, why are you here? Why right. are you here? But, but then for her to hear that, and it'd be so loud, and then to keep going, and, I mean, she's a trooper, and then to do that song, I mean, I would not want it. that's the last song I would want to sing, you know, but right. she does it. She's a pro. Um, and then also around this time, the, or probably into early 86, uh sidewalk talk came out officially um from jelly beans album uh which is a cool song and i think she originally sang the entire thing but because of um either copyrights or agreements or something like that they only used her uh her vocals at the bridge and during the chorus and then someone else did kind of this rap are you familiar with the song? I don't know that song. Okay. Well, it's actually a fun song. So I would say it's very 80s, very 80s sounding. So make a note to go listen to that. Um, I don't know. I still like it even though, but Madonna has a really great bridge vocal. You should hear that. Has she ever talked about it? No. I've never heard her talk about Sidewalk Talk, like ever. Was it, it, it was a single? It was a single, and I think she, I think because she recorded it before, or probably around the same time when she was making her first album, but it mm. wasn't used for her first album, and I, th- I think it was originally recorded for that, but it was never used. And someone, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, but it's a cool song. I like the song itself, but it's the whole song is not Madonna. It's only a portion of the song, so that's why I don't like listen to it that often. What's it about? Uh, it's about gossip on the street. So it's, you know, sidewalk talk. Uh, watch where you walk because the sidewalk talk. And you can't oh, put the okay. from the ground beneath you. There's like someone doing this rap and it's um, it's really cool. It's, a, it's another female artist. And if you close your eyes and pretend, you could pretend you could you can envision Madonna singing it. I love it. Um, but then in March of 86, we get Live to Tell. And this is really the first new music that we get a single of after, um, you know, the Like a Virgin promotion had ended. And this was like a new Madonna. This was a cleaned up image of Madonna. The video is her just like in a chair or standing there in this kind of floral dress. It's something that people weren't expecting to see. And she comes in with this very low register. You know, everyone, the the thing that people used to say is she was like Minnie Mouse on helium, at least for like her first two records, very high pitched, nasally. And then this was just her range had just become a little bit more dynamic with this song. Now, some people will argue with me that this was the lead single for True Blue, but I kind of say it wasn't, and here's why. So if do you listen to Inside the Groove? Mm-hmm. So in Inside the Groove, um, the he tells the story of how this song came to be. So it was Pat Leonard. And he was writing the song for a movie and they ended up turning it down 
Um, and then something happened where Sean Penn and James Foley were looking for a song for Sean Penn's movie at close range. And Madonna came in and basically put words to the music um, and wrote the song for the movie. So for me, the song was intended for the movie, not necessarily for the album. And that's why I don't consider it the first single. Well, I guess you could argue the same about Masterpiece and Die Another Day. I know what you mean, though. It's not a... I, I would say I would say that, too. I'd 100% say that, that those weren't... Well, I think she even kind of like tacked on to, to American yeah. Life, right? Yeah. Well, I mean... Yes, that that makes sense. I mean, right? I, because the look is not is like this weird in between of of it's cleaned up from Virgin, but it's not quite the right. Especially like compared to you look at the five videos from this era, it really sticks out. Not just because it's a ballad, and not just because you know it's really stripped back, but like the look itself. You know what I mean? That makes yeah. Sense. Yeah. I mean, she looks beautiful in it. Um. I'd probably say if you were comparing it with anything she did previously, it would probably be like Material Girl. She's kind of cleaned up in Material Girl, but I think that was also kind of more of a a fantasy look where this is more like, here's a new Madonna emerging. So exciting. Yeah. Um, but then we don't hear anything else until like June because that's when Papa Don't Preach and the album come out i i can only imagine what kind of like the fanfare or the build-up to this album is because i'm i'm just like again i may have been alive but i wasn't paying attention to what was happening around this time period um but and actually you know this year is the 35th anniversary of the album you're kidding really i mean we just had oh my well it feels like we just had 30 of like a prayer oh my god yeah Ugh. isn't that crazy i'm like the crypt keeper <laughs> <laughs> do you think no, she'll that's do me <laughs> will she do yeah. anything um i it, sad to say probably not i feel like her anniversary game has gotten better a little better i think the focus this year will be on the movie Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I think possibly what they'll do is they might do some, you know, some merchandise the way they did for like a prayer. Uh, but I don't feel like they're not going to like release a new box set of it or a new vinyl edition. I don't think. I mean, maybe the videos in HD, maybe. I would love it if, if at the very least they kind of put together sort of like they did for like a prayer, but maybe on a streaming service, maybe just all the remixes from, from the album. That would actually be, I would accept that. I'd prefer definitely like a big CD edition re-release. Maybe with, she wouldn't even have to put any bonus, like unreleased stuff on there. I would take the album on one disc and then a second disc of all the remixes. Yeah. That would be fun. But True Blue is her biggest selling solo album. Um, Period? 
period. That's Madonna's biggest selling solo album. I'm saying solo album as if she has like duet albums or anything, but it's her biggest selling album. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. I thought it would have been like, like a version. No. So, so if you kind of look at the, um, the traction of releases, you know, Madonna was her introduction uh, and that became really popular. Like a Virgin was extremely popular, but True Blue was was her, this was a change for her. So she came out with a brand new look. She came out with a brand new sound. Her, her sound is different, even though she's working with the same producers with Stephen Bray and Patrick Leonard. Um, and she actually got produ- production credit on this album too. Um, but this was kind of this new glamorous look. It was a new, this was the introduction to her reinvention essentially, because she comes out with this short blonde platinum blonde look. And she just looks so different than we had seen her before. I mean, one of the reasons I really love this album, this era is because it's just the undeniable arrival of a superstar and an arrival in a limousine. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. just an undeniable. I mean, I mean, people are still trying, you know, there's always haters, but it's just so both from the artistry, the music itself, from the opening of Papa Don't Preach on the album to, I mean, just, it's just undeniable. I just keep reusing the word. It's just undeniable. I mean, it is because this was, this was superstar she was at the superstar level at this point. So she kind of built up, but I think this is when she started believing her own hype where it's like, wow, I, I am really famous and I can really do bigger things with what I'm doing. Um, and she did. Uh, I, I think this album, I believe was just kind of more of a love note slash, uh, inspired by the love of, you know, Sean Penn, um, okay. <laughs> you know, I think she's a um, hopeless romantic and she even dedicates the album to him, calling him the coolest guy in the universe. Um, he inspired the, the title, didn't he? I, yeah, I believe so. Because wasn't um, it, it was going to be called Live to Tell, wasn't it? I think it that was considered as the name of the album. And I'm kind of glad they didn't use that. Oh, totally. Um, and speaking of the album title, let's talk about the album cover, Herberts. <sighs> and it's just, it's this profile view of Madonna. She's not looking in the camera. And I mean, it's one of my favorite covers, mainly because it's Herberts. And I just, all his work is, is typically amazing. Um, and they actually had three different covers to consider. And if you want to see what the other covers look like, all you have to look at is the Papa Don't Preach single cover and the True Blue single cover, because those were also considered as album covers mm. for this album. Um, and Jerry Hyden, the art director, and I always bring up Jerry Hyden because I love her. Um, she's the one that kind of presented these concepts and I guess they liked them so much. They're like, well, we'll use this for the single cover and we'll use this for another single cover. Um, 
And that's also Jerry Hyden's handwriting. A lot of people think it's Madonna's handwriting, but it's not. That's Jerry Hyden, the art director. And she also did the handwriting on You Can Dance. Oh, it is. It's very similar, huh? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at both the the single and the cassette right now. It's just it's just <laughs> it's just everything. I mean, one of my like all time all time all time favorite photos of her is from this shoot. And I know we're gonna get to the tour, but it's the main promo photo from the tour. It's where she's she's in that jacket, and it's just straight on for the Who's That Girl tour promo. Yeah, and I think it might have been like the 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 close up of the face. It might have been that weird composite image from Celebration, but it's just, ugh, it's yeah, everything. it's uh, everything about this era is amazing because it's, you know, I talked about how Like a Virgin was kind of the start of her commercialization for herself, but this just took it to a whole new level. Is this is this would have been your first choice for the album cover? Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard for me to really say because it's it's right. kind of like it's been there for so long. I don't know anything. Well, I do know that there was other considerations, but this was a perfect album cover. I even think the True Blue single would have been a good album cover. But I'm, I was going to say that's a that's my runner up for sure. Yeah, continuing the theme of the straight on, dead on, mm-hmm. looking at you. Yes. Um. So let's let's just go down like the list of tracks. And we can talk about where they fell as a single release. Um, But Papa Don't Preach opens the album. It's amazing. It has like the perfect opening, the strings and everything. Um, And I used to not be a huge fan of this song. But I would say within recent years, for some reason, the song has just hit me and I just like it's almost one of my favorite songs by Madonna, like ever. Wow. Cause I, I, I don't know. I think it just has the perfect sound for the album. Like if I had to pick a favorite song off this album, it would probably be between Papa don't preach and live to tell and white heat. Oh wait, we haven't gotten there yet. Let's, <laughs> let's just keep going. Um, I can't believe <laughs> you said white heat. Oh, well, we'll get the, get to that because you still have to defend Jimmy Jimmy. I, well, I, I stand by Jimmy Jimmy. It's all good. Wait, have you seen Papa Don't Preach live? Have I seen her perform it live? Mm-hmm. I saw her perform it live at MDNA. Oh, no, wait. I saw her also perform it at Reinvention Tour. Oh, I love the Reinvention mix. Yeah. I just like... um. That's what was that like? Because one of the, fa- I mean, and everybody else, one of the things I love so much about this song is especially live, the the intro just like fucking wakes everybody up. So, I mean, what was that like when you hear the intro? I don't know how to explain it because um, for Reinvention Tour, uh, if you're familiar with the stage, it had those two cutouts where people, where fans could be like in the stage. Yes. I, the two nights that I went, I was in that pit both nights. So every time like one of the classic songs started, you know, I lose my shit. So, um, (laughs) yes. And when Papa don't preach comes on, it's just like you hear the strings and you just flip out because 
it's Papa Don't Preach. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I don't know how to, else to explain it. You're just like, oh my God, it's Papa Don't Preach. Just go mental. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since the first, the first concert I saw her was Drown World Tour. So when, when she played Drown World Tour, she basically just played songs off of Ray of Light and music. Not mm-hmm. a problem with that, but I hadn't, I didn't get to really see her perform any of her classic songs. Mm-hmm. So when Reinvention Tour, the tour that came after that, and she basically did a greatest hits tour, and you just hear these songs like one after another come up, you just like, oh my god, I can't believe she's doing this because I I would think that she's not she's not going to do that, right? Oh, that's so exciting. I remember watching the. <laughs> I wasn't a member of any of the forums, but I was like like. Uh, creeping on a lot of the forums during the MDA era. Mm-hmm. And I remember the tour just like watching that video. And again, like I wasn't super, I like the song kind of like you. I like it a lot more now than I did at the time. But the videos of just the crowd just losing their mind during MDA when the strings would come in was just so, yeah. I mean, me just watching it in my bed, I would get chills. It was just so <laughs> exciting. I just wish I could have been there, you know? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the video that came out. So again, this is like the new Madonna. This is the first time we see her with platinum blonde hair. There's two parts to this video. There's the performance part where she's dancing with her bustier and, and um, I don't know, I guess biker pants or yoga pants. Little capris. Capris. Yeah. Um, And she has some iconic dance moves in that. And have, have you watched, um, do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? <laughs> Gigi Good. Yes. Gigi Good. I've literally been obsessed with watching that and listening to that the past couple weeks. I don't know why, but um It's so good. It's and they they emphasize like, hey, there's some iconic dance moves and you have to get them down or it's not gonna be good. So yeah. but um it's it's a really great video and at the time it caused a lot of controversy. Because the video was about a girl who needed to tell her father that she's pregnant and that she's keeping the baby. I, th- I think the reason why it caused controversy is, one, because she's playing a teenage girl. And kind of ironic because she's like almost 30 in this video. You know, people that know how old she is. How old, how old she is during this era, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, like 27, 28, I oh think. Because um, she was... 30 in 1980 uh she was born in what 58 so yeah she's she's 26 no she's 28 wayne can you do math <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it caused it caused some controversy because it, it's almost like she's advocating for girls to get pregnant that's how it was looked at which is ironic because the same people that I feel would be concerned with her advocating pregnancy would probably be the same people that wouldn't want her to get an abortion. (laughs) Right. right. Because teenagers are going to have sex and sometimes they're going to end up pregnant. I, even when I was a kid or like a teenager and I, and I heard this song, I never, I never took it that way. I always just thought about the song as just her, like her telling her dad that she's made up her mind and it's her choice. 
Yeah. And that it's a very, very difficult decision. I never thought it was pro or anti anything. If anything, I thought it was just, I mean, I guess pro-choice, but I don't even think at that time I was thinking about it that way. I think I was just thinking it's, it's her just being telling her dad that this is her choice and this is the decision she's made. Is it an easy decision? No, but it, that's what the song is about. Right. And honestly, though, if you just listen to the song, you don't watch the video. It can be ambiguous. It could be I'm keeping my baby as in I'm keeping this man that I met <laughs> because I feel like, you know, it, it can be taken both ways. Um, and when I would listen to the song and again, I I never paid attention to the video. I think that's what I got from the song when I would listen to it because I didn't really understand the complexities of, you know, telling a parent that you're pregnant when I'm, you know, eight years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Her acting is really good in this video. I was rewatching it. I was like, wow, this is like up there with bad girl. This is very good. I love, I love this video. I love the way she looks. Um, you know, there's a, you know, there's a nip slip in there that was never really? caught. Yeah. You won't catch it on YouTube because they've airbrushed it out or whatever. But if you have the Immaculate Collection on DVD, yes. or if you can get a hold of that, slow-mo it. At the, I, I sound like a dirty old man saying this, but if you, <laughs> if you slow-mo it at the point where she's kind of doing the dance where she's she arches her back, her yes. boob comes up. And if you pause it at the right moment, you can see your nipple. Oh. That's two things you have to do. You have to listen to Sidewalk Talk, and you have to watch <laughs> Madonna's Nip Slip. I love this homework. This is great. I've been to New York City a couple times, but when I went, I think it was like two years ago or a year and a half ago, I purposely rode the Staten Island Ferry just so I could um, kind of reenact the video. That's the life of a stand. Did you have the outfit? No, um, but I did also go to um, Battery Park. Oh my God. The whole like Desperately Seeking Susan. I was able to get some um, shots of, of like a building that was in the background. I'm like, okay, this is where she was standing. <laughs> have there been... And there must be Madonna New York tours. Uh, I I guess. Has to be. Has but to honestly, be. if you, yeah, and some people, I when I tell people that, some fans and some fans are like, uh, well, did you go to her apartment? I'm like, no way, I would never do that. I'm just not that <laughs> kind of fan that would go to someone's house or where they live. It's just- there for the artistry. Right. I just, that would kind of creep me out. So I would definitely visit some places- like maybe where she filmed her secret video. I didn't, but um, that's where I kind of, that's where my interest would lie, going to see some of those same places where I've seen things in the videos or in movies um, that she's done. Yes. Um, Debbie Mazar is in this video. Yeah. With Erica Bell, and we will see them pop up in another True Blue video. AKA. And Daniel Leo, the actor. Yeah. He's so good as the dad. Yeah. Papa. And I think this is before, I think he was a known actor, but not like at the, I don't know. I, I don't know what his like level of 
actor status was at that point in time. But I do know that he went on to do some really great things. And then when he passed his way, Madonna gave him a mention like on her social media, which was really nice. I mean, there's scenes together. I mean, especially like at the end, I mean, she is, when he comes into her room, I mean, she is really scared of him. Yeah. I like, I believe I'm believing the story. Like when I'm watching it, I'm believing what they're doing. I'm believing what they're saying. I'm believing in what they're doing. Yes. And the, even, even the exchanges with, you know, the way she looks at, at the guy. And, and mm-hmm. I really love the scene where they, they're, they're kind of canoodling on the ferry. And then the older couple looks at them and kind of gives them the approval. I mean, her acting is so good, let alone in the, the close-ups of the when she's in the 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 bustier i mean she's just not only is she serving dance and sex mm-hmm. but it's just it's story it's, it's emotion in her face yeah uh, right that's why i that, i mean this is why i think it's the arrival because it's just it's so i mean i keep saying that word i mean the first two hours are amazing but this to me is just kind of the first elevation of a true blue artist let's say that <laughs> The thing on the ferry that always got me was like, I don't know what they're eating, if it's breadsticks or a pretzel, but it re- looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> I want, <laughs> I'll have what she's having. Right. Talking about the food, right? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there is definitely a definitive history of good looking men in Madonna videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, she she can pick them. Yeah. <laughs> the last note I have about this song is I kind of hear it pop up somewhere else. And it's in Gwen Stefani's Harajuku Girls. Are you familiar with that song? Yeah. If yeah. you listen to the opening of it after they kind of do the, the full opening, you kind of hear these strings come in and it sounds very similar to Papa Don't Preach. Well, yeah, and you know the the Love Angel music, baby. I mean, that era, especially like the hair, is re- is very kind of true blue slash breathless Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I never, I haven't listened to that song in a long time. Oh my god, you're welcome, Gwen Stefani. <laughs> Sorry, that's from the musical, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so good. Okay, so track two. I can't believe we've been talking for this long and we're only on track two, but we will get there. I promise. Um, track two, open your heart. Now this is, this is, um, kind of strange. What I find kind of strange for me, because this is actually the third single. If you include live to tell as the first single, this is actually the, um, Oh no, it's the fourth single off the album. Um, true blue came in September, but it's, it's really weird because true blue, the single was released in September when the track before that, which was Papa Don't Preach, was released in June. So it was like a huge gap in time. And we'll get to why that was in a minute. Um, but for Open Your Heart, that was released in November of 86. Um, and it was around the same time that Shanghai Surprise was released as well. Are you familiar with the movie? I've never, I'm familiar with it. I've never, I've not seen it. Have you? I've seen it. It's it's fine. Madonna's choice in movies, she she kind of likes to do these kind of screwball 
comedy movies that she was inspired by from like the thirties and the fifties and stuff like that. So it's very much like a, um, I don't want to say Casablanca cause I think that would be disrespectful, but <laughs> it's kind of in that tone where it's two people that are on a mission to do something, but they get involved with hijinks and it's, and there's really this guy you think might be the good guy, but he's really the bad guy. It's something to do with that. It's, it's not her greatest. And the fact that they didn't even put one of her songs in that movie is kind of probably why it failed. <laughs> I've, I've only seen like the, I mean, talk about it in clips. The only clip I've ever seen is the scene where they're in bed and yeah. oh God, what's the exchange? They're like, let's get this over with or something. Maybe I'm messing that up. I yeah. Like no, I think she did that. She wanted, I don't know. I think she was doing it. Cause she's a, she's a missionary. Oh, yeah. a, a missionary. She's a missionary. So, um, she was doing it for the lore. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and watch it. Wait, I haven't watched it. The what? The Lord. Oh, because she was a oh. missionary. She was there to help build schools or something like that. And she was, and Sean Penn is playing like this, uh, I don't know, criminal, but he knows how to speak um, Mandarin. So they needed his help with something. And in exchange, they had to do something, give him some money or something like that. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of um, a weird plot. And the fact that George Harrison, one of the Beatles, wrote the music and it's horrible the music is horrible in it um is kind of disappointing didn't you say that you were that you're planning on doing like a uh, after a the movie? music and uh, yeah me? i will so i kind of gave some of this away but um i she i believe she was filming well i guess she would have had to film the movie before she even made the album but i think the movie was released around this time um i think i don't know listen um <laughs> let's just go back to, let's just go back to the album open your heart <laughs> second track um it was originally written for cindy lopper did not know uh, that um and there's actually a really good story if you listen to inside the groove um they talk about how the guy who wrote it snuck it onto a demo and that's how it ended up getting heard. Um, and Donna DeLore is the one that sings the demo. Oh, okay. Thoughts on this song? <gasps> oh, a, a it just makes me so happy. It's like I'm being injected with happiness. This song, I love, I love the video, like the kind of extended intro, especially mm -hmm. like the, then when the drums really the watch out when the drums really kick in, yep. it's just, Oh, it's everything. It's everything. The video. It's one of the ones that I extracted from the celebration DVD to have as my audio track for the single, because I just like, Ooh. I like the intro. Um, and the video is really cool. Uh, it's got some art deco in it, which is one of her kind of favorite themes of art. Um, it shows gay themes in there. It shows... Um, wig changes? Wig change, yeah. She goes from dark hair to slicked black blonde, but when she appears 
and she sits up. It's all poofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a chair video where she dances on a chair. Um, she's got kind of a meaty tuck where her badge looks like it's about to pop out in some scenes. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, uh, um, she either shaves or waxes. We know that. Right. <laughs> um, but that, that, uh, lingerie that she's wearing, that was actually donated or, um, it was on display or it might still be on display. I don't know with Fredericks of Hollywood mm. and, it was stolen during the Rodney King riots uh, in like April of 92. And then it was found and replaced by the end of the year. Um, Oh really? Well, I was going to, when you said that, I was like, that place, the security for such a, like a high volume item. How is that going to work? Yeah. I, well, when those riots happened, the looting happened and everything like that. So I don't think there was really much protection that could be done at that time. Um, But yeah, I mean, the video is I really love the video because it's um it's just a fun video and I think people took it the wrong way. They yes, she is like a stripper in a peep show, but it's I think it's done very tastefully and um she's kind of saying like, Yeah, I'm here doing this, but you know what? I'd rather be dancing with this little kid afterwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, people always just want to be mad. I mean, I, I took it as I am, we are, we are the boy. You know what I mean? Because right. especially like me being, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but me from such a young age, media was always like my best, <laughs> oh God, not in, a, not in a bad way, but media was really like my best friend. I watched right. so much TV and going to all the CD stores and blockbusters. I just was always just loved movies and television and music. Right. And, and definitely your, right. The, right. The video starts out with the little kid and the guy's like half asleep and he's like, no. And he's miserable trying to get him into the, to the club. And I was like, but I want to go, I want to see these things. I remember, I remember my, my parents used to not let me watch friends. They're like, this is an adult show. So you can't watch it. And then maybe want to watch it more. I was like, well, what's, what is, what does that mean? Yeah. Like I, I want to see these things and then you see it and you're so, you're just so moved by it. And then the fantasy comes to life and she's kissing you and she's dancing with you and the kiss. I never thought that was like, I just took that as in, Hmm. How do I say it? She's like anointing you. Like right. you're come with, come with me. Let's get out of here. Cause I mean, at least the way I saw it, like a lot of the people in the video, like the adults in that video a lot of them are really like stiff and repressed is how I always took it. And so then there's this kid and Madonna, who's the adult, but they're relatively liberated. And so now they're right. The video ends with them going off and dancing and having their own adventure. That's how I always took it. Yeah. That's how I would take it as well. It's, it's just, it's a fun video. It's to me, I, I never got any, like, I never got any weird vibes from it. Even yeah. as a kid. Yeah. I just wanted to be the kid that dances with her. And that dancer still like shouts her out on Instagram and like does all throw, I forget his name, but does like throwbacks all the time to this era. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite performance of this song? 
because she's done it a couple times. She, she of course, did it during the, the Who's That Girl tour. Um, she also did it during Bond Ambition. And then um, MDNA. Mm. I'm going to say Blonde Ambition, definitely. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Really like storytelling, right? And right, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I love this song is <laughs> this helped cure my COVID depression because I would just sing this song all the time because it's just such a, it's so relatable. Just like begging someone to to see you. You know what I mean? I, I, really, I really like the performance. I love that. All right, so we're going to go to... Track three, White Heat, um, and you can't believe I like this song. <laughs> I think White Heat is is definitely the weakest song on the album. Okay, I'm gonna disagree. Like but I'm gonna tell you why. I think if uh, I think originally I was thrown off, and I never liked the the movie clips that they use. So they use movie clips um, from a James Cagney movie called white heat and i believe it's the first song of madonna's that doesn't say the title anywhere in the song um but they use clips from it and i don't know i love i love the beat i love the drive of the song i love the rhythm guitar in the song i just uh, to me it's it's very pop it's i just love it i don't know do fans generally like this song uh I think it might be one of those ones that it's probably either this one people don't like or Jimmy Jimmy people don't like. So it's great that one of us <laughs> between the between the two of us we like at least almost every song on the album. Right. I don't know. I love this song and she's of course only performed it once. But um and I, I think don't the like is the origin of her with a gun on stage yeah madonna and guns on stage it she has had a gun on stage i think almost every (laughs) tour starting with the who's that girl tour um i don't know about girly show but yeah she's had a gun she had a gun here in this part she had a tommy gun and she had a handgun and um now i'm following you for Bond Ambition, and then in Drown World Tour, she has a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's... Is she part of the NRA? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> she seems to be very against yeah. it, but at the same time, she uses it in a lot of her her art, like, right. live. So I was kind of joking about that. I don't think she's part of the NRA, but... Oh, no, I mean, God control her. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll end it there. I love the song. It's the weakest for you. Um, we'll jump over. I love the Vanity Fair cover. I know it's not true blue era, but I, and I always thought it was interesting that the 89 Vanity Fair cover that says white heat. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Someone obviously was a Madonna fan and knew that was the title of the song. (laughs) Right. Uh, so the next track is Live to Tell, which we kind of already talked about. Um, but is there anything we missed about that? I kind of love the irony that she never really talks about this song. You know what I mean? I love that. I love that this song is so kind of ambiguous. And I think that's one of the things that makes it great, right? It, you, it's 
I mean, when I sing this song, it's different. I mean, most of the time I'm talking about the same thing and I'm talking to the same person, but it can be... Right. Yeah, she's never explained exactly what the song is about. I think she... I was reading something where she was like, yeah, I was thinking about such a... I, I think she's given some sort of insight to the song, but never... This is exactly what the song is about. And it's not easy to tell because it can be interpreted different ways. This song, I love singing it because this song has such a distinct beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. right? I think that the beginning, like the first two two verses and two choruses are feeling you're scared, but you're going to tell, right? <laughs> you have yeah. something and you're determined and then the if i ran away is very the bridge is kind of i don't know i love the bridge because it's it to me it feels very gray and almost kind of hopeless like well i may not move nothing may never happen and she's kind of talking about you know all the all the effects that if she doesn't tell doesn't tell what's going to happen right Mm -hmm. but then i mean Oh my God, the final chorus, especially like when those backing vocals come in, it yeah. just makes me feel so hopeful. Like, no, I'm I'm going to tell <laughs> and I'm going to stand up straight and strong. And it it's everything. This song really helped. Singing this song really helped me get through 2020. Well, it's a really beautiful song. Um, and I enjoy hearing it. Do you have a favorite performance of it? I mean, it, she's, it has she's done it a lot of times. Confessions? I think so, yeah. Yeah. What I, about you? I probably go with Confessions. I love the whole um, Death March opening of that song. Yeah. During the live performance, and then her just like rising up. Um, when you're there in the moment, it's really great if you're watching it on TV. It's I don't think it has the same impact only because you're not there. You don't feel the energy of um, kind of like what you're seeing. But I like how I like when we were talking about you can interpret the song different ways. She found a new way to interpret the song. And I think that's what's great about the yeah. version of it. Yeah, right. It, I mean the reinvention and the confessions is much different from blonde ambition, right? Two yeah. very different things, right? right? I would say, uh, blonde ambition is kind of up there though. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the tour. We'll get to the tour. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's go to where's the party. Um, it's Madonna. I think I loved this song as a kid. It was just fun. It was just where's so I didn't know what it was like to work, so I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what um, working nine to five meant. Like I, you don't have the concept of that as a child. You're you're and waiting for the weekend because, I mean, yeah, you have school and everything, but the weekend was when you got home from school, and I don't know. I just never understood that concept, so I just. It was just fun to dance to. Yeah. By the way, I think that the the sequencing of the track listing is perfect. Yep. I would never change anything. I th- I think it's perfect. Unlike I um, love this song. I love this song. 
I th- and I, I thought it was interesting that she, bl- I think it fits perfect in Blonde Ambition. And I always thought it was interesting because there were so many other hit, because this wasn't a single. There were so many other choices she could have put she, in that. Yeah, she could have put anything, anything from, you know, uh, Like a Virgin in there or from the first album in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that were singles instead of, like, she could have put Lucky Star. Like, I don't know. I, just, I, I thought it was kind of an odd choice to put in bond ambition tour but i wasn't upset about it this this song kind of to me at some point has similar energy to jimmy jimmy and true blue where it's just like pumped up and like just fine it's just so Mm -hmm. it's just it's so fun to sing and it just it just makes me so happy and the bridge is really fun too don't want to grow old too fast oh yeah 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 system get me down um yeah yeah yeah, and and then we come to the end of side one of the record, and you'd flip it over, and then you start with True Blue, um, which is the title track. And this was the second single, but again, the first... Well, sorry, this is the third single. It's so weird. Um, but Papa Don't Preach came out in June, and then this, as the next single, didn't come out until September. And so it's a little weird. I, I think something had to, I think it had to do with something around Shanghai Surprise being released and they didn't want to interfere. Or Papa Don't Preach was just doing so well that it, it rid the success throughout the summer. That's the only thing I can think of. Someone knows the answer. And it's I mean, success me. is a relatively, is a relative. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to burden you with this question, but what is the most successful song from this album? I mean, does that mean chart? Does that mean lasting impact? Does that mean fan favorite? I don't know, but I, th- I would, I would argue. I mean, True Blue is definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think what, gen- what would constitute as a successful song would be how long it's playing on the radio. So, you know, they had the billboard to the billboard still existed, but you know, you have your radio stations and if it was in regular rotation um, and that song was just doing so well, if it stayed at the top of the charts and people are requesting the song and they're playing the video on MTV, it's like, we don't have to do anything else right now until we feel like it's starting to drop in the charts. Then let's put out the new single. Right. That's, I think, probably how it used to work. I think now it's a little bit more calculated and and precise of, of when they actually drop new singles. Um, but this one was a little bit different because they decided to do a contest with MTV um, to make the video for it. They let fans just s- submit their VHS submissions you know, this is before TikTok, before uh, software editing programs for videos. It was literally, you had a camcorder, you put a tape in it, and you recorded what you could. So unless you had the skills and the equipment to do, like, editing, um, you're basically just filming this in your backyard. <laughs> and mailing it, not emailing it, mailing, mailing it. it, yes. So, um, and they ended up devoting a whole day to running the submissions. They called it Blue Thursday 
where they uh, MTV showed all the submissions or all the 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 uh, the finalist of submissions, and uh, a guy named Angel Garcia and Cliff Guest were the winners. Um, and they have an interesting story because it almost didn't get considered because the day before the last day to submit your video submissions, it got returned back to him and there was no explanation why. So oh he was, he lived in Miami and he got his dad to fly him to New York. And then once he landed into New York, you know, you didn't know where the MTV studios were. It wasn't like TRL where it was like in the middle of Times Square. It was some random building somewhere in the city so he had to go to the the yellow pages find where mtv was and go up into their office and like knock on the door go to the reception and say like hey this tape was returned to me and i don't know why and i worked really hard on it and it needs to be considered so i guess this receptionist made a couple calls someone came down and then except they're like yeah okay we'll take a, a look at it and um and I guess they were only accepting up to a certain number of submissions. They weren't expecting the turnout that they got. Um, but his these guys' video almost didn't even get considered. Um, but they ended up being the winners. Wow. Wow. Very and Madonna attitude. Very, very Madonna attitude. Like, yes, you need to take this video and it needs to be considered. <laughs> and um, had you seen this video before, this uh, this winning Make My Video video before? Well, no. So so Wayne sent me all this homework for to do and Make My Video came up and I was like, oh, this must have been a show. And I look it up and I can't find any, I can only find the the Madonna True Blue submission. So I was thinking it was like a full-on program and they did this with a lot of popular songs. No. I mean, I don't know if that's completely true. At least on YouTube, all I could find were the True Blue stuff. So yeah. another win for Madonna and MTV. Beautiful relationship. I love the winning video. I love the winning video. I think it really has like the high, like the, like the high school sweetheart fantasy, you know, oh. and I love the girls gushing on the bed. Hey, what? I love it. Yep. And it's almost like a fifties and the song has a very fifties vibe to it. So yes. the fact that they kind of stayed true to that sound with the vision, I think yeah. that's really cool. And I actually don't remember them playing the other version um, of the Jordan. original version, the official version, I think. In 1990, I remember them saying like, hey, we're going to play the European, that special European version of True Blue. And I'm like, what is this? And it was the official video. So I didn't see it um, up until like 89 when I became a fan and when they would show previous Madonna videos through like a Madonna-thon or something like that. They would always show this one. This is the only one I ever remember until um, 1990 when they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to play that special one for you right now. The European, they called it the European version. Oh my god! Wow. So, I, by yeah. the way, not to get sidetracked because it's so easy to do. I want to have a separate conversation with you about Madonna thoughts on MTV. It was something that I didn't appreciate at the time, just because I started to become a new fan around the time where they started doing. They may have done it previously, but I again, I wasn't there. But when I did start getting into Madonna, whenever they had a Madonna thon, I would have to. These are the days where you know, like you had to record everything yourself. So um, when they would come on TV, 
you know, we weren't rich, but we did have a VCR, but we didn't have like blank tapes to record on. So I'd end up like recording over stuff like home movies and um, movies that were taped off of HBO. I'm like, I'm recording this. Uh, <laughs> right. And it would just be, it would literally be all day, like all do you Saturday do you and Sunday. Um, some of them I do in the late nineties, I bought some equipment where I could re-edit things. So I started taking things that I recorded on old tapes and tried to put them on new tapes. Um, and some things I have that I haven't been able to find on YouTube, but I'd also have to go through them. I do have a VCR and I do have like a case of like old things, but some of these things have surfaced on YouTube where I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I should just let this go because it's available on YouTube. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. <laughs> but I think I kind of mess. I, in those days, there was um, a few ways you record on your VCR and it would be SP, LP, and EP. And SP was usually, it took up most of the videotape, the time on the videotape, but it also gave it in the best quality. But to save room and to save time so I could record more things, I always record it in the lowest version. So it's almost like if you switch from like 240 e, uh, 240p on um, YouTube and then you switch it to 10, 1080p, it's like that kind of difference. Um, but that's how you recorded on VHS. That's amazing. You are dedicated. You are so dedicated. That's amazing. Well, I try. <laughs> what is the la- latest? Or, 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 we should get back. We should get back. Sorry. Don't mean to hijack. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, okay. Back to True Blue, the, the single. So when the European version came out, um, which we all know as the official video, Debbie Mazar and Erica Bell show up again. And there's a third girl, and I have no idea who it is. I tried to look it up, and if someone's out there and can let me know, please let me know. But it only sh- if you look at there's an IMDb for this video, and it only shows Debbie Mazar and Erica Bell. Shady, right? That other actress. I hope she got paid, but <laughs> she was in that video. Who is she? Who? Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know who Erica Bell is. So Erica Bell was one of her dancers when she first started. So if you're ever watching Lucky Star, um, mm-hmm. her brother and Erica Bell are the ones dancing in the background. Erica Bell was one of her dancers as she did her club tours and for her first album. Mm. So also around this time, she accepted the Video Vanguard Award at the mm-hmm. 1986 Video Music Awards. Uh, and she's wearing the same dress that she's wearing in the True Blue video, which yeah. these days she would never, ever do. <laughs> um, Both wear that dress and be repeat. <laughs> she's like, hey, I paid money for it. I might as well get the most out of it. Right. Um, but th- I believe this was the first year they did the Video Vanguard Award. And she's receiving it in 1986 after only being out you know, for three years, um, which I thought was a great accomplishment considering she is the first recipient of it. 
insane, right? Yeah, and then they renamed it to the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. I forget what year they did that, but um, uh, I, f- I forget other people that have gotten it. I think Janet Jackson has gotten it, Paula Abdul. Um, Brittany. Brittany has gotten Missy it. Missy Elliott got it a few years ago. Pink. George Michael mm-hmm. got it. George Actually, Mike. Madonna presented to George Michael at the 1989 oh. Video Music Awards. Um. Oh, that's right. Not to jump ahead, but that's that presentation is a performance in itself. If you've ever seen it, (laughs) it is. And you can and you can kind of tell even like the the when she went her acceptance speech. You can tell that. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a high. It's the highest honor award of the night. But you can tell because the legacy of that award, as time has gone on, means so much more to you know, culture and to the artist, but right. you can tell at the time it's like, she's like, where am I? I'm tired. It's not as, I mean, I, I don't think she realized the significance of the award at the time. I think that's just what it is. And kind of, she just, Oh, I need to show up here and accept this award. But I don't think she really understands um the significance of what that award meant at the time because I'm not sure it it may I, I feel like they probably created it for her um and then they just continued the tradition I, don't they say that when when they give it to her like for wait maybe I'm mixing this up that she like essentially like helped create the music video medium or am I totally mixing that up um I wouldn't say she helped create the music video medium what I would say is she helped um, make it what it was in the sense that she took it really seriously. Um, There were very few artists that kind of embraced the music video format. She was a good one. Duran Duran was another group that took their music video seriously because it was, it was an art form that not a lot of musicians kind of felt like needed to be done and they kind of just did it just because it was the trend to do versus someone like Madonna and Michael Jackson and um, who knew that this was a way to show off more of their talent Mm -hmm. than just being on the radio would. Mm -hmm. So that might be a good way to say it. If that made sense. Yeah. And I mean, MTV like was like, pretty like less than five years old at yeah. this time maybe yeah. five years old but it's like the you know took over i mean my mom used to tell me like the first few years when mtv came out when she was a kid like it's just what everyone did all summer <laughs> oh yeah oh once once you got to that age where kind of you start getting into music and things like that like mtv i would sit there and watch MTV. I didn't care if they were repeating some of the things they already played earlier in the day. I was like, Ooh, I liked it when they talked about that. Let me, let me watch that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, we didn't have YouTube or Netflix where we could just kind of go back and, and watch it when we had the time you had to like be on it or you'd miss something. Right. Um, I think also around this time or like at the end of the summer before the true blue, the single came out, she did a play with Sean and some other 
actors, Goose and Tom Tom. I don't even know what that story is about. I've heard people talk Goose about and it. Tom-tom. They just decided to do some play. It may have been to raise money for something because what I will also say is Madonna was a huge AIDS activist. And during this time when she starts making, I think, a majority of her money, she's holding charities, she's donating money, she's speaking out, and I don't think any other artist or celebrity was speaking out at the time. She literally was the only one doing that. Um, so she would sometimes do these events, and this may have been one of them, where they raise money for um, HIV and AIDS. Because mm-hmm. it was a new disease at the time. Mm-hmm. I ne- I ne- I've never heard of this show. That's crazy. Yeah, I think it was just like one stage performance. It was just kind of like fun to do, to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't think we really talked much about the True Blue, the official video. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the origin of... The girly show wink. It's the same wink at the very end. And we're like the kind of whole um, left side of the face kind of goes up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, well, right. The... It was shot on a soundstage. It's very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love the choreography. I do the true blue, baby, I love you, cross your heart, yes. point at me, point at you choreography all the time. <laughs> I it's I love when she's on the car. I hmm. Well, I mean the hey what is one of my favorite parts, and I definitely prefer the contest winner <laughs> over this one. Uh, yeah, because it's like the girls on the bed, and it's like you know you you just you're just blissful, and you you love a boy, and you're telling all your friends about it, and this is I mean both are fine, both are fine. I, I feel almost. Not indifferent, but just kind of ho-hum on the video. But I still like it. What about you? Yeah, I would say, I mean, when you compare it to Papa Don't Preach, Open Your Heart, Live to Tell, and La Isla, which is the next song we'll talk about, when you compare it to those videos, you there's a higher production value with those videos. And I would say this probably has the lowest production value look of any video she's done, aside from maybe Jump. Um, where you can just tell she's showed up one day to film this video and they did it like in one day. That's what it looks like mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, when she announced that Jump was on HD and YouTube, I said, I don't think of her. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's a cute video, but honestly, I prefer the Make My Video winner over this one yeah. it looks i mean even the make my video winner had a higher production value it's a story yeah and this was just kind of a cute performance i mean it's cute it's it's good for what it was i remember thinking um i didn't really like this look on her i know it was kind of a nod to the 50s kind of glamour blonde hair but i always felt like she looked like a golden girl you did not. <laughs> she has this very uh, like not. cotton candy hair. She's kind of wearing the the clip on <laughs> earrings. Um, aside from the, the like the 
well, even the dress she's wearing, I, I'm not a fan oh, of the dress because I don't feel like the dress is very flattering on her. Um, I, I don't know yeah. why, but I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to be shady. It's just, it's not a video that stands out where it's like, Hey, I love watching that video. Right. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's very, it's very simplistic, cute. Yeah. I mean, it goes with the song, but I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a favorite performance of the song? Because it's only been performed twice. Who's that girl oh, no. tour and Rebel Heart tour? Oh, that's right. It was. Oh, yeah. Well, hmm. I mean, they're very. Those two performances are very different. I think it was really <laughs> random that she did the True Blue Rebel Heart. You went to a Rebel Heart, right? I did. Yes. Okay. I love. I love all the people in the audience singing every word. Yeah. Um, so have you seen her live? No. You haven't seen her live yet? Horrible. Horrible. Um, so I apologize. Well, you liked the Rebel Heart kind of DVD version. I, I think Rebel Heart DVD version in general, and I just call it the DVD version, um, is just, the, the editing is just so, so like choppy and and well no i said i like that performance i didn't say i like yes if i (laughs) listen to that performance i i think i like that performance more and when i was there of course i loved seeing her perform it live um more so than on the who's that girl tour Mm, makes sense I like who's that girl and nikki and donna are there and they're doing like the little it's very like 50 thing 50s theme too yes it's very cute uh okay so the next song is la isla bonita it was the last single released from this album it was originally written for michael jackson but he turned it down so she was just kind of like okay bitch then it's fine (laughs) and i believe she said she wrote this she was in a car or driving a car and she saw a sign for saint pedro and then it just kind of came to her. Very beautiful name. Yeah. Romantic name. The video, she has short brown hair, which is the first time we saw her with, like, really dark brown hair. Um, and I think she looks incredible in this video. It's a Mary Lambert shot video. Um, and all her videos always have this warm tone to it where it makes Madonna just look... Um, incredible like she knows how to shoot madonna yeah beautiful relationship another i feel like i keep saying that but i mean the the the, she knows how to pick them and knows how to keep them what are your thoughts on the song do you like the song oh i love the song i love the the yes and i love the extended mix of it at Mm -hmm. the like the bonus track version of it too the Uh... it's it's amazing you know Britney did a unreleased demo that sampled this song called love to love you. And it's not, it's not the best song. I mean, I think there's a reason it didn't get released, but it's, it's still great. And it, and it has a, I mean, it's not, I I don't know. It's not quite a sample. It's kind of like a remix sample, something like that. That's a very, I always think of that too. And I think that when I listened to that Britney song, that was the first time I, cause I remember people in the comments were like, Oh my God, la is la. And then that's how I heard. <laughs> it from there i love the song i mean (laughs) 
Please stop performing it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a favorite performance of La Isla, and then I also have a least favorite performance, and that's what she gets when she performs it that many times. Um, I love the girly show version. That's probably my favorite version. Um, I just like the way she does it. It's, It's, you know, she takes this kind of Latin theme that she does in that section of the tour and amps it up for this song, I feel like. Um, yes. And I just love it. And then my least favorite is probably between <laughs> Confessions and Sticky and Sweet. Yeah. Hmm. Why, 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 those, why those two specifically? Um, well, I think the reason why for Confessions is because I believe that instead of La Isla, it was supposed to be everybody. She was supposed to perform everybody. (gasps) So I kind of hold a grudge against it for that reason. But I also don't like the treatment where they kind of, um change the cadence of and melody of the song and they do it very similar in sticky and sweet but they add all this kind of like the the fiddles and things like i just don't i just it i didn't connect with it with those two tours i didn't know about everybody that i mean that would make sense because i remember when she was doing those club shows Mm -hmm. everybody was in that set list yeah and I love that mix. Let the DJ shake you. Oh my god! Well, yeah, and it's. I felt like that was a more fitting song, but I don't know. I don't know. It's her tour. She can do what she wants. But <laughs> I just didn't. It wasn't my favorite performance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of how you said that Britney kind of sampled it in her song, it was also uh, a sample that was used recently too by the black eyed peas for mamacita that came out this past summer um i i mean i really don't have anything else to say beyond (laughs) (laughs) it was sampled but you can you can kind of hear it and i think you actually have to listen for it it's not it's not overtly obvious so if even if you are a fan of madonna's you might you might not catch it. I mean, you probably would, but I don't know. I just, not a lot of people know about the song anyway. Just, it wasn't. Um... Right. I love their song with Shakira, side note. <laughs> Shakira, Shakira. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Cabe, this is your chance to defend the next track. Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy. Go. Oh my gosh. Time has come. The time has come. Well, from, I mean, similar to Open Your Heart and a lot of other Madonna songs, from the moment the song starts, it's like you're just injected with adrenaline and caffeine. And I'm, I mean, I'm not going to talk about anybody else. This is just my relationship to the songs. It just wakes me up. I'm ready to go. It's a great workout song. And so that I probably associate it with that too, right? I mean, it's so fun to sing. It's so fun to sing. And then also, I, I just don't know why everyone hates this song so much. I would have fit perfectly on Who's That Girl. And then, you know, it's also 
I mean, you know, I can relate to the song, right? Because there was a bad boy in high school that I liked and it was in a small town and you're singing to him and he's a little maybe self-destructive, but you know, and then he leaves and you're sad, but it's okay. I mean, it's just, it's just a fun song. Did I convince mm-hmm. you? <laughs> um, it will. I changed my mind, didn't I? It will probably still be my least favorite song on this album. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is about the song because it's almost like it tries to be a fifty song, but it's also trying to be an eighty yeah. song at the same time. And I feel like the the difference and kind of the sounds that it's trying to have is kind of jarring on my mentality. So with the opening being like, like, it's just, I've had enough already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I will say I like the Y O Y O Y part. I will sing along to that. I, I'll be honest. I will not skip it when I'm listening to this album. Uh, But it would probably be my least favorite on the album. Well, that's that's okay. I mean, I mean, I don't like the verses. The verses to me just don't, I just don't like them. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, let's, 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 let's break it down. Let's break it down. Wait, I'm opening up my true blue. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm even looking at the words. Okay, let me flip to the back. Where are you going, boy? I see your legs twitching. I didn't even know those were the words, okay? Um, (laughs) Yeah, me either. My daddy says you just need a good licking. I'm done done at this point. I'm done at this point. Bad boy. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of, right, you like the bad boy because you like him, and then A, because, you know, you're you're, you're trying to get back at dad, right? Well, see, that's where I kind of go back to with the ambiguity of Papa Don't Preach, where it could be talking about the man that she likes. I feel like that's a better way to give it to your dad. Right. I mean, this is definitely lo- lower brow than Papa Don't Preach, for sure. Yeah. But I I don't hate it. Like I said, I don't skip it. There are songs on Madonna albums that I skip that I don't listen to. This is not one of them. Um, but it's also not my favorite on the album. That's all. I love the way she says backyard. How does she say it? Tell me how. Tell me how. My backyard. it's just so much fun but hey you know what Uh, it's okay it's okay it's if you're out there still think of you from time to time i think you won't be alone that there's other jimmy jimmy fans out there yeah no but i do well no but when we were messaging and i was trying to convince you i wrote you an evita style letter to let me on (laughs) and I, i told you that i you know love jimmy jimmy i feel but the reason i mentioned that is because i feel like a lot of fans like really don't like this song well you know 
I'm hoping that the fans don't like the song because they don't like it because they don't like it versus, well, other fans said they don't like it. So now I'm not going to like it. Right. Um, I hope that's not the case. But uh, it is the next to last song. And so the last song is Love Makes the World Go Round. And we kind of already talked about it because it was intended as the first single and she performed it at Live Aid. Um, But she closes the album with it. And I think I... I like it as a closer. Yeah. This song kind of has a Brazilian like carnival sound. I mean, not exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a little uh, bit more cheesy, but it's Madonna's <laughs> version of carnival. Right. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, okay. Not nine is a very weird track number, right? Uh, yes and no. I think that was kind of, standard in those days most Mm -hmm. albums had eight to nine tracks on them Mm -hmm. um and they'd run between 35 45 minutes Mm -hmm. um before we start getting to like the late 80s early 90s where albums would run for like almost an hour and you'd Mm -hmm. get like three to four additional tracks on there Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i think it ends very well and she did record two other songs for the album, um, but they weren't used. Uh, so one was Spotlight, which we hear later on You Can Dance. Yes. And I think the reason why she didn't run on the album because she felt like it sounded too much like Holiday. Um, and I believe it was written by the same people that wrote Holiday. Mm-hmm. And then she wrote this song called Each Time You Break My Heart. And she ended up giving that song to Nick Kamen. I think he was a British recording artist. Um, So he has a recording of it and she sings background vocals on it. Oh my gosh. So it sounds like you get some, you like that song. Um, It's okay, but it's, it's a, it's a very darker song. It's a, it's a, to me, it is too dark to put on the true, true blue album. Hmm. So I understand why that song was not put on the album as well. I mean, I think that these nine songs are, are, I think it's, I think it's tight. I think it's perfect. And then the, the two, right. The two extended, the true blue. Mm-hmm. I don't like that mix. And the La Isla mix. I love that one. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this on streaming, Papa Don't Preach is the extended version. Cause for, I will bring this up every time I talk about it, but for some reason, all her older albums, well, actually only her first three albums, replace the original versions with like a remix version. So Papa Don't Preach is the one on this album. So on Like a Virgin, it was Dress You Up. On the first album, I believe it's Borderline or Lucky Star, where they replace the original version with the remix version. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, I like having the remix version on streaming service, but I don't want you to replace the original version. Exactly. Right. By the way, real quick, do you prefer Live to Tell True Blue or Live to Tell Immaculate Collection? Live to Tell True Blue. It's the yes. full version. Um, I do yeah. prefer Papa Don't Preach on Immaculate Collection, though. Because you get the the echoing of the voice at certain points. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, she goes, keeping my baby, baby, baby. Like, I like 
hearing that and there's another point in the song where they do it too but i can't um think of it right off the hand yeah um so let's talk about some of the releases of the singles really quick because we talked about kind of the remix versions and there's the true blue color mix there's the la isla extended mix there's an open your heart extended version um which she used primarily as the basis for her opening of who's that girl tour have you ever heard that before not the open your heart one no yeah so um I, is it on streaming i don't believe it's on streaming so but you could probably find it on youtube okay friends stay tuned to next week when cabe and i continue this conversation and dive right into 1987 at the Madonna get-together 